0: Today as we meet, we're listening to the news and Pastor Jason had a little fun with some of the inflation things that, that irritate us. But then to get into the heavier stuff, missiles firing this morning out of Iran, them taking credit. Movements in North Korea, Taiwan, China making boasts, Russia. people of Ukraine being attacked. The Bible tells us that God puts his hooks in the jaws of the nations. They can't help themselves. We know from the word of God of some of these maneuvers and we're not taking headlines from the newspaper and trying to find scripture for it. The scriptures are in us. We see what's happening and it's global. It tells us that the time of the end is very near, and so it is sobering. Today I'm prepared to minister to you something that I'm now even more convinced. You've watched activity in these altars today, and this is who we are. The reason we are doing what we do, and the reason that you're here, is because we're a part of His church. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. It should be a familiar passage of Scripture. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? I want you to take this thing to heart today. Matthew 16, I want to begin reading at verse 13. And now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? See, they're still asking us the same question. And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, they shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But you lift your hands one more time? Lord, as we've even seen demonstration this morning as we've gathered of your power as well as the presence of evil, this scripture is even more alive now than any other time in our life because we sense it. We see it as we watch our news, but we sense it as we go to work. We see strife in our country, division in our homes, anguish in the hearts of young, fear gripping the hearts of the young but you promised that you've got a church and we're privileged to be a part of it. Let us make it very personal in our own hearts and minds today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This simple word church wasn't new in Jesus' time, but it took on a total different feeling. And the word in original language is ecclesia. And just in its definition, search your own mind right now and see if you believe this. It means that you were called out and brought together with a purpose in mind. When it comes to the things of church, there's all kinds of things about church. We enjoy the fellowship. We enjoy sitting down and enjoying a good meal together. We enjoy celebrating somebody's birthday. And how, why did we do that? Did we grow up across the street from them? Many times it's because you met them in a Sunday school class. You met them in a home Bible study. You went to a revival meeting somewhere, and there was that cute boy on the other side of the church, and you wanted to meet him, and now you're married to him. Just the stories go on and on and on and on, the fellowship of the church, and we must continue to embrace that. It's a part, a vital part of who we are. But if we're not careful, many of these other things that we've had the privilege, the amenities of church, if we're not careful, we'll forget the main purpose of his church. He called us out. We were in darkness. Oh, you may have been a child when you first came to church. Maybe you came because mom and dad do you understand his hand was upon you and keeping you from the darkness, calling us out of the darkness into his light, but with a purpose, this ecclesia. We are now in a time of great confusion, and we know it. If you're here today and you have any kind of children, any grandchildren, you're troubled today. There's been arguments in your homes, over the phone, the texts. You're appalled at some of the things you're hearing. You can't understand this generation. This generation doesn't understand you. There's confusion compounded with chaos. No matter what industry you're in, you're hearing more and more of warfare. You're hearing more and more of division. People just on edge, and the least little thing sets them off. It's spiritual in nature. And we know this. I've been your pastor 22 years. Probably 20 years ago, I started using the term postmodernism or postmodernity, and we're fully immersed in it now. And what we have learned from this spirit, it has taught those that will listen that we've moved ourselves from anything of moral criteria into no morality. Everything can happen, anything goes. We must tolerate, we must accept. This has been a spirit that has said virtual reality based on emotions has to take the place of actual reality based upon the power of reason. How many times have you had conversation with somebody and said, that doesn't even make sense because you're trying to use reasoning powers. But again, that individual just bases up, but I I don't like this. I feel this way. Well, they feel that way. Listen to your commercials. I sit there at times and just scanning and just listen to the spirit of what's driving it. One the other night, showcasing different people, and this individual said, yeah, this is my morality, and that's their morality went on, made another statement. This is my reality, I made it my reality. In other words, you gotta accept what I have accepted for myself. In other words, now perception has become reality and you're not to fight against somebody's perception. Everything is relative and now the expression of relative truth is very common. Eliminating anything that's absolute. The cancel culture. Eliminating anything historical. Because we don't want to be held back. We're going to utopia. All these things creating chaos, confusion. It's the message of the day. Today I've prepared different statements of great minds of other times, but listen to the message. The first is D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he simply says, when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts the world. It is then the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it at first. How true, how true, how true. Being different, But we don't want to be different anymore. We want to fit in. We want to be popular. We want to be accepted. So we find ourselves giving this up and giving this up. But you see, it's still his church with its message. This is why Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? The best they could do is say, well, they just are, taking examples of individuals who had some kind of relationship with God. He must be Jeremiah. In other words, they were speaking of reincarnation. It's Jeremiah all over again. It's Elijah. It's some other prophet. Jesus stopped that conversation and said, but who do you say that I am? And that's what he's doing today. The Spirit of the Lord is just asking each one of you, who do you say that I am? Do we say he is the Christ? the only begotten Son of the Father, the Savior of the world, that He is the way, the truth, and the life? Are we still taking that position? And again, as this gentleman wrote, we have a message, and it's different than the world. If we will stand our ground, it is the very thing, our distinction, our difference, is what attracts the world. When you're just like everybody else, you just blend in. But I thought that's what they wanted. Then you go into obscurity. There is a distinction to the people of God. We are unique. We are different. Oh, called a lot of things. Have you been called a hater yet? Have you been called intolerant yet? Get ready. We don't want this message because you've got a message and you say it's absolute and it's for the whole world. That's because Jesus is the savior of the world. Again, we come back to this bold confession, but who do you men say that I am? And there had to be that pregnant pause, but Peter stands up, you're the Christ, you're Christos, You're the Messiah. You're the one that was prophesied and you're right here in front of us, flesh and blood. Can you imagine that moment? What were the other disciples thinking? Were some of them thinking, I wish I had said that. I've already been having that same inkling. But to hear somebody confess it with their mouth. And Jesus immediately said, you didn't learn that from man. My father taught you that. And he's been teaching ever since us the same truth. You hear me today, I'm a pastor. Generations. You can be churched and miss the whole mark. You can be churched and not ever hear the message. You can be raised in this thing and miss it. It has to become personal. Is he the Christ to you? Is Jesus your savior? Is Jesus your Lord? And will you stand with him and keep declaring the same revelation? Jesus said, it's upon this revelation, not the man, not Peter alone. It's that confession, that revelation. It's upon this confession, I'll build my church. What did he promise us? And it's built upon a rock. Yeah, you see, he's still building his church. It's his church you hear me today he's building it now well the times are different we're in a post-christian era in this country we have heard it prophesied we're right in the midst of it now God's awaiting for the young of this generation the newest generation to get that same revelation and to stand and declare yes Jesus you're my Savior yes you're my Lord you are my the Savior of the world, and you're my Savior. You see, the reality is, not just then, it continues today. Evidence even this very day in our service. There is a devil. There is a hell. And there's an agenda and a message and a hell. And Jesus declares, it's upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. What does that mean? What does that mean to us? You understand that it's not saying that hell has enlarged itself and so powerful that as we cocoon, it it won't take the last one of us standing in the corner or crawling over in the corner and, and being bent over in the corner. That's not what it's saying at all. It's just the opposite. The gates of hell are the authority of hell. You see, it's all about authority. The gates in the word of God always represent authority. Business was done at the gates. If you needed business transactions, it was done at the, I'll meet you at the gate. If it was a legal binding document or statement or handshake, some kind I'll meet you at the gate. That was the place of confirmation. That was the place of authority. What he was saying is the gates of hell, the authority of hell will not prevail when the church is moving. In other words, hell has to back up to the church. It may seem like hell has got the upper hand many times. Have you been there? Sure you have. You think I'm all alone now. I'm I'm surrounded by evil. I'm outnumbered. I'll never see the light of dawn. I'll never see the victory to this. How can I? But that's when you remember it's his church and he's still building it. And when I stand upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, he's greater that's in me than that which I'm facing now. I stand upon that truth. It takes a declaration. It takes that confession. To believe it in your heart, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, yes, Jesus, you truly, Died on a cross. You didn't fall asleep on a cross. You died on that cross. You shed your blood. But it was sinless blood. And you didn't stay in that grave. You just borrowed it for three days. Do you believe this, church? And on that third day, hell did everything it could to keep him in there, but it couldn't. That same authority, that same power of resurrection is still active in the church of Jesus Christ today. It's still changing lives. It's still turning situations around. It is real. We have to get the reality of church again. In this hour of confusion and chaos, to say, wait a minute, this thing isn't about me, it's about Him. It's His church. Francis Schaeffer, another great mind, simply says whenever there's a failure to stand for truth as truth is when we lose. And again, it's what we hear in this hour of postmodernism is just bow to the voices, that there is no absolutes. Just do what your thing and I'm going to do my thing. and This is my truth and that's your truth. Whenever we stop standing for truth, we lose. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. No man gets to the Father except by me. Well, you people sure are exclusive, aren't you? What gives you the right? He gives us the right. It's his shed blood. Francis Schaeffer used another word and listened so closely. It faces every generation. He said, whenever you stop believing and standing on truth as truth, you've accommodated the world. Sound familiar? Oh, we've gotta be popular. We've gotta be accepted. We wanna be the biggest church, the brightest church, the sharpest church, have the greatest people in our congregation, whatever is in our mind, we, we'll make accommodations. We'll make accommodations. This thing that you and I hold true to our hearts of a Pentecostal power The power of the Holy Ghost. How many still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost of heaven? It makes us different. Oh, we have the same color skin. We wear the same clothes, typically. Maybe always. But it's what is in our heart, in our spirit. He's changed my life. This thing that I read about so long ago is still living in my heart. They they tarried for the promise in that upper room and, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was upon them, but it's still happening today. It's the difference maker. Jesus already told those first disciples when he was still with them. He said, I've been with you, but I'm gonna leave you, but I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. I'm not gonna leave you without authority and power. I'm gonna send another one. And he shall not only be with you, he'll be in you. That Holy Ghost power, fullness. How else do you think you're gonna fight hell? When hell has an assignment on your children, your grandchildren, your marriage. You think your education is gonna get you through? You think your wisdom and your intelligence is gonna get you through? You think your dollar bill is gonna get you through? You see how good it's doing at the gas pumps. There comes a time that everything else ceases. This world's set up for economic collapse and we know it. There's a one world spirit breathing today. It's no longer just happening periodically. The birth pangs are severe now and very close. When we see these things, those angels told his first disciples, why do you stand here gazing? The same Jesus, in the same manner he left, he's coming back. But what did he tell us before he comes back? These are your signs. This accommodation. The Hebrew writer put it this way. You'll find it in Hebrews 2nd chapter, 3rd verse. How shall we, that's us, escape if we neglect this great salvation in other words he was talking about drifting or erosion well we've accommodated we're popular now yeah what that get you what it get you when the real fights on what did it get you when the acid test is happening what did it get you can the spirit of this world heal your body when it's sick and infirm no but the blood of Jesus can When your child is tormented with a devil out of hell, is that dollar bill gonna set you free? Or is the power of Jesus gonna set you free? I know it's serious today, but it is a serious situation. It's his church, the method he promised us, keys to the kingdom. A.W. Tozer put it this way, he said, the world is waiting to hear an authentic voice, a voice from God. Not an echo of what others are doing or saying, an authentic voice. We find testimony after testimony in God's Word, just mere mortals, and yet making that declaration, speaking, declaring the prophetic voice, the voice of God speaking through an individual. It's God's voice, and that's where we come in. The the world's waiting if there is a God. Show up last Sunday evening, we showed the movie with the testimony, Sabina. And again, the transformation of lives during the Second World War. And again, the power that comes in the name of Jesus. There's an intimacy in this kingdom. We're known as the bride of Christ. And along with that wording, anytime you study it, there's another beautiful word. It's the word devotion. Shake yourself today. Am I devoted to Jesus? Am I devoted to his cause? You see, when it comes to church, there's a thing again. We use this term, we call brick and mortar a church or, or a, 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 an assignment, a, a, an address, a place of meeting. We call that the church. And yet we all know the church is us. We're His. And He's still building us. And in this, there's a difference of attending church, visiting church, and being the church. This week, you will have opportunity to be the church somewhere other than this property. There'll be somebody meeting like Carrie talked about. Does your church believe in prayer? When you people gather, do you believe in prayer? Would you pray for my girls? You see, that's an extension of the church. Somebody else will be somewhere else and there's just chaos going on, fighting. And you will have that moment to walk up and say, wait a minute, This isn't what you want to do. And you start speaking life into the situation, peace into the situation. In that moment, you become the church. You become the extension of who he is. Some of you in business share your witness as many times as you can. Teresa many times told me as a hairdresser, God gives her a captive audience as she's making them beautiful in her chair. And they'll begin telling her their lifestyle. And she'll get that opportunity to say the words of life over them. Many times they're accepting it. Other times it sounds so strange, I'm sure. But it is the voice of God. It has distinction. I wonder how many of us, when we first heard the good news, we weren't ready to receive it. Somebody else living it in front of us, but we weren't ready to receive it. But it kept calling us, it kept drawing us, it kept wooing us. These people are for real. They're strange, they're weird, they're different. But I can't get away from them, I'm attracted to them. They think different. Oh, I've seen them in failure. But then they recover. They actually apologize for speaking too soon or speaking in haste. These people are different. Others will have opportunity this week to be the church beyond this property in situations where somebody is grieving and you come in and you share the word of God with them and say, can I have your hand? Would you let me pray for you? I was with a family this week. I had been told the one individual wouldn't receive me, nor receive a message of the church, wouldn't receive a message from the Bible, just totally turned off. As I finished with them, I said, may I pray with you? This individual blubbered like a child. The Presence of God. The church, that authentic voice, Ian Bounds, Man, listen to his words. What the church needs today is not more or better machinery, not new organizations or some novel methods. She needs men and women. I'm going to put you right in there as well. But from his quote, the church, she needs men when the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can use. Men of prayer, Mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. It does not anoint plans, but men. Men of prayer. Wow, what a statement. We have buildings. We have plans. We have church calendars. All these things are a part of what we do. But you see, God still uses people. Buildings and plans and equipment, microphones, pianos, all just things. But there's no anointing in that mic. There's no anointing in that piano. But anointing rests upon us. I want you to stand with me today.